Matthew chapter 11 is a little bit out of our series. I was planning a message this morning in our Portraits of Christ series. And of course, the Portraits of Christ series, we've been looking through the book of John and looking at pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning, uh, I had a message ready entitled, Jesus the Divine Teacher from John chapter 3. But the Lord began to burden my heart last evening and this morning. And we've changed a little bit and gone to another passage in the book of Matthew and entitled the message, Jesus the Healer of the Brokenhearted. You know, this last week it has been come evident to me again and a good reminder that people are hurting. And uh, my wife and I spent time with several different people and just they poured out their hearts and their hurts that they were carrying and the burdens that they had. We prayed with several folks and yesterday we, we went to a funeral and, and saw people that were burdened and hurting there and even though there was much joy at the funeral. It was Brother Tom Tyrrell, and uh, there was much joy and lots of singing, lots of hymns, and he had planned the whole service and chosen 11 hymns to be sung at his funeral service. And so uh, we sang them all, and we really enjoyed it. It was, it was a great, great choice of hymns and how they all flowed together. Uh, one section was all about the grace of God, four or five hymns, all about God's grace. And we just came away so encouraged. And you know, that's what a... Funeral service or memorial services for is to encourage the brokenhearted and to be a help to us. But our greatest encouragement is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that portrait this morning is that which I would like to look at this morning. And, and, and if you were here this week and you poured out your hurts to us, and there's, there were several. I, it's just odd how the Lord does that all at once to kind of remind us that people are hurting I want, I want to say this, I'm not preaching at you this morning, but I hope I'm preaching to you. Do you understand the difference? Sometimes we get up and pound the pulpit and say, here's what you need to do. I just want you to know that Jesus understands you're hurting, and he wants to help you. And so we're going to look at the scripture this morning. I'm reminded that Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Let's pray this morning. Father, help us. Lord, I, just uh, through the course of events, we were reminded once again that people are hurting, that there are struggles, that each of us have unsaved family members making poor choices, and it grieves us and hurts us. We have people in our families that are sick and dying. And Father, it's hard to see. We have struggles in all areas of our lives. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning to get a foothold once again in the Word of God. And help us, Lord, to be encouraged by the things that Jesus Christ says to us today. Father, would you minister to hearts? Father, I'll admit this is something you've just burdened me in the last few hours about. And I sincerely need your help. And so I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit and speak to hearts this morning, no matter how I fumble about. And Father, we know that you can do a good work in our lives today. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I got thinking this last week about the title of this series, Portraits of Christ. And as we look in the Word of God, that's kind of what we get at times, our snapshots. But you know, pictures are important to us, and we take photographs of things because they remind us of relationships that we have. 
just, uh, I, I believe it was just Friday was my brother's birthday, and most of you folks would know that because that's somewhat of a national holiday in Canada now. He has so many friends. But my mom put a picture on my, uh, I guess maybe Wade's, I don't know how it is, but I saw it on my wife's Facebook, a picture of Wade and Rebecca and my dad. And I was reading some of the comments, and I got a little choked up, I must admit. Becky Engel said, I miss that gentleman on the right. And those pictures are good memories. And we had to ask, why was dad wearing a, a boutonniere or a flower? What, what was the occasion? Well, it was their wedding. And they had already changed, and so we didn't see a wedding dress. They would already changed to go on their honeymoon. And, and so it was just a last picture at the door. And so it was their wedding day. And, and so we, we see those pictures, and we remind it of good memories, of relationships that we have. Years ago, when we were in Stony Creek, one of our teenagers was just a young man, and he had got a job, and he thought he was about 14 years old, and he thought, well, I've got a job. I need to get a wallet with all the money I'm going to have. And so he went and got a wallet. He bought a wallet. Had nothing to put in it, but he had a wallet. And so I guess he would have 5 or $6 once in a while. And we went out, and he was so proud of that, he had to show me. He says, well, look at this, Pastor Al. He says, I, I bought a wallet. I got a job. You got to have a wallet. You got to put your money somewhere. I said, well, that's good. That's good. And I'll just tell you who it was. It was, it was Mark Massacre. And he was about 14, and he got a job cutting grass, and he was doing some newspapers and things, and he was so proud he bought this wallet. And so we went to the McDonald's one day, we were on a teen activity, and he opens up his wallet, and uh, he took out you know, a $5 bill or a $10 bill to pay for his meal, and I noticed that his wallet had uh, one of those picture, what do you call them, the little sleeves that you can put wallet-sized pictures in, the little clear plastic sleeves. And when he opened it, I noticed a picture of a very beautiful lady in the very first slot. And I didn't recognize her. And I thought, well, I know most of his family. Who might this be? And, and she was probably about 25 years old. I'm just guessing. I said, Mark, I said, who's the picture of the lady you have in your wallet? He, and he kind of got sheepish and he got kind of red. And he goes, well, that's the picture that came with the wallet. <laughs> I said, man, that's pathetic. He says, well, at least I can tell people I've got a picture of a girl in my wallet. I said, she's 10 years older than you, son. And uh, I thought, but what, what a picture. You know, we can look at all the portraits of Christ we want, but if we don't utilize the relationship that Christ is trying to teach us through those portraits, it doesn't have any effect on us. You understand what I'm saying? You can know a lot about the Bible, but if you don't know the Christ of the Bible, you're in a whole lot of trouble. There are scholars today that can tell us all the stories of Christ and all the miracles that he did, but if they don't have a relationship with him, all is lost. Another massacre boy, I saw a picture of him a little while ago, and it was Jason Massacre this time. And Jason had grown up to be a good young man, and he was gone off to a, a college in Arkansas, and they were doing some, uh, some outdoor stuff, and they were teaching these young men how to be youth pastors. And so they went camping for several weeks in the mountains. And they would, at campfires, teach them things, and they do activities. And, and one of the things Jason liked to do was to do rock climbing. But he didn't use ropes and harnesses. He did all fingertip climbing. And there was this amazing picture of Jason hanging off a rock wall with just his fingertips. And his feet were just hanging. There was nothing there. He was holding onto a rock. And you could see him looking for his next handhold. 
And then another picture, he was looking down, looking for a place to put his foot. There was nothing, and he would have to swing his body and grab. And you know, I got thinking, sometimes that's like us that have hurts. We're just holding on. And we're looking for something else so we can get a better foothold. And if that foothold is not secure, we're going to plunge. It's over. A lot of us are just kind of one fingertip away from losing all. I want to give you some footholds or some handholds out of the Bible this morning that I believe that would help you. That you could put your feet on and know that it's solid. When I was a kid, we had a little irrigation pond just around behind the house. And in the wintertime, it would freeze over. And our neighbor, Travis, and my brother and I, we would go down there and we'd play on that ice and stuff. But we always knew you had to test it first. So we sent Wade out. We really did. He was, he was the lightest of the three of us at that time. He was just a skinny little guy. And so we'd say, well, go ahead. He says, oh, that's just slush. That's not even ice. And, no, no, that's some slush on top of the ice. Go ahead. And sure enough, he'd go down. We'd pull him out. And we'd say, let's go back in the woods and dry off for a couple hours so mom doesn't get upset at you. We could stand his clothes in the corner when we came home frozen solid. We did that so many times. But the truth is, sometimes in this life we're walking and we're wondering, is it going to hold up? I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is the solid rock. And if you'll put your feet upon him, you can have no fear. You can take that next step boldly. And so this morning, let me give you some footholds if I can. If you're in despair this morning, if your heart is hurting and you're looking around for that next place, what can I grab onto? Where can I put my feet? Let me give you some from the scripture this morning. The first one I want you to think about is his sufficient grace. His sufficient grace. Turn, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter one. If you look at verse eight, the apostle Paul is making a confession here. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even. Of life. I want you to know, first of all, this morning that if you are struggling, if your heart is hurting, if you are broken hearted over something in this life, you are not alone. The Apostle Paul was heartbroken. The Apostle Paul, the Bible says, despaired even of life. He understood what it was to suffer. He understood what it was to be persecuted. He understood what it was to be hurting. And he says, because of it, we are spared even of life. He, there's other parts of the Bible that says that we were troubled and we were pressed and we were forsaken. And yet we knew Jesus Christ. And as we think of what he says in 2 Corinthians, turn to the end of the chapter, or the end of the book in chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle says in verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. 
For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness most gladly. Therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Listen, friends, this is Jesus saying to the Apostle Paul, I am enough. I'm enough. Maybe this morning you feel like the Apostle Paul, that you've despaired even of life. You're holding on to that rock and you're wondering where can I put my feet down and where can I grab on next that, that feels just right and everything around you seems overwhelming. Uh, so uh, let me encourage you, go to that secret place with the Lord and learn today that He knows what you need. Grace says, I know what you need. Grace says, I know what your limits are. Grace says, I know how to comfort you. Grace says, I know how to strengthen you for the task. I believe that three times the Apostle Paul asked for that thorn to be removed. But now he was saying, Lord, don't remove the thorn. Instead, give me strength to overcome it. And through the affliction that he had, Paul learned that his grace is sufficient. I've been there and I understand what it means. Lord, just take this away. Lord, solve this problem. Lord, make this easier to carry. And God is saying, no, I want to strengthen you for the task. And His grace is sufficient. You say, what's that mean? It means it's enough. It's always available. Hebrews chapter 4, we learn that we go into the throne room and we're looking for mercy, but we find grace in the time of need. God is always willing to give grace. I heard John Bishop, the, the preacher I told you about before, that had spinal meningitis and it completely scrambled his brain and he had to learn how to read again and learn how to walk again. He learned how to, how to preach again and now he's legally blind. And he has a ministry called God is Good all the time. That's just the name of his ministry. He didn't care that it didn't have some catchy name. He didn't care that it didn't rhyme or have alliteration. He just said God is good all the time. That's what we're calling it. And he goes around and preaching and he says this, there's one prayer God always answers. That's when I ask for grace. That's when I ask for grace. I think of the words of that song we just sang. Frail children of dust and feeble as frail, in thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. Thy mercies how tender, how firm to the end, our maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. His grace is sufficient. If you're looking for a handhold this morning, if you're looking for something to place your feet on, let me encourage you to look to His sufficient grace. Secondly, this morning I want you to look to prayer. Look to prayer. Sometimes it's the last thing we do. Some people will say, well, there's not much I can do, but the least I can do is pray. No, that's the most you can do. To get into the throne room of grace and to bow on your knees in the presence of the King of Kings and to give Him your request. What a privilege we have. We don't have to make an appointment. We don't have to go through some aid. We can just walk boldly up to the King and tell Him what our heart's needs are. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4, the passage we just talked about briefly this morning. Hebrews chapter 4. I'm not going to preach any new thing to you this morning. I'm not going to say anything you haven't heard a thousand times before. But I think sometimes when we're reminded of trials, we may need to be reminded of His grace and His presence. It doesn't hurt us to, to know that God still loves us. 
My wife, I tell you, I gotta, I gotta remind her. I gotta tell her once in a while that I love her. And I like to hear it too. We, we, we like to hear that. We like to be reminded of it. Yesterday I reminded her, I, I went down to Fort Erie and down to the funeral. And I had driven through Waynefleet hundreds of times. And right on that one bend in Waynefleet there, that little area called Marshville, you know where I'm talking about? It's a little sign there that says the Sugarloaf District. And right there at the corner, I've noticed many times a chocolate factory. How many of you have seen that? Marshville chocolates. So I thought, well, I'm going to stop and get Ida some chocolates. So I stopped yesterday and I got her some milk chocolate and then I got her a bar of chocolate fudge. If you're all lined up at the house after, I won't tell her why, but she'll figure it out, amen? So I bought those. Boy, let me tell you, that got her excited. Bring those home. I got you a little treat, and she opened that bag, and she both cried. He loves me! Woo! Praise the Lord. I don't know if she loves me or the chocolate more, but praise the Lord. Hey, brownie points. Take them when you can get them. We like to be reminded that we're loved. And so we'll repeat some of these things today. His sufficient grace and the power of prayer. The Bible says in verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Can I, can I paraphrase verse 15? He knows how you feel. That, that's what it's saying to me. He knows how we feel. He was in all points tempted like you are. He knows the battle that you face. He has the feeling of your infirmities. He knows what pain is more than any other human. He was nailed to the cross. The Bible says in verse 16, Let us therefore, because he knows the feeling of our infirmities, and because he was tempted like we are without, yet without sin, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You might ask, what do you do when you have a sleepless night? I, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not a good sleeper. I don't know why I'm not, I'm just not a good sleeper. And uh, every once in a while, I just get, kind of get insomnia, and I don't sleep real well. And I used, to, I used to think, well, I'm worrying too much. There's too much on my mind, and, and, uh, or I'm just thinking too much. You know, you know what I've come to understand? That's the Lord saying, come unto me. That's an opportunity for me to pray. So last night, I had one of those nights. I prayed till over after, the last time I saw the clock, it said 2 a.m., and I, I just laid there and prayed, prayed for things in the church, prayed for folks in the church, prayed for people that were hurting, and God was developing a message in my heart, and I just kept praying and just praying. I thought, I'll just pray myself right to sleep. That's okay. If I, if I don't say amen, Lord, you'll understand. And so I just prayed myself to sleep. He said, well, you must have been tired this morning. I woke up before the alarm clock. I was, I was in the shower before 6.30. I was here at 10 to 7. And you say, you're tired? No, I feel rested. Why? Because if you come unto him... I will give you rest. What an opportunity. Those nights that I would sit there and worry, and you know how it is. Oh, great, now I only got five hours to sleep. <laughs> I better go to sleep. If I go to sleep right now, I'll have four and a half hours of sleep. If I go to, and we just look at the clock, and then next thing you know, it's time to get up. Boy, I used to think like that, and then I'd get up and I'd drag all day and I'd be tired. But now I just pray. 
and I wake up rested and refreshed, and the Lord says, you spent some time with me, so I'm going to give you some rest. Come to him in prayer. Realize what the scripture says. God's promise is to give rest. A friend of mine from West Africa, Pastor Alex Boma, he's the pastor of Adom Baptist Church. Adom is the Ghanaian twee word for grace, so Grace Baptist Church. And uh, he, he was in Canada one time, and we were at the bedside of a lady that was dying of cancer that night. And we sat there all night. She didn't, her only son lived in Hawaii, and he wasn't there. And so we, we sat by her bed, and, and we, would, we would several times through the night. Her favorite hymn was at Calvary, so we'd sing that several times. And we'd sing it, then we'd pray. And about 7 in the morning, I said to Brother Alex, I said, maybe we better... I said, it looks like it's very close now. I said, maybe we better go in the other room and spend some time in prayer because I said, I don't think we're going to sleep today. I said, we've been up all night, and I said, we're going to have a busy day dealing with this, and maybe we better go and pray. And so we went in the other room, and we prayed, and when he finished praying, he kind of rolled his shoulders like this, and he goes, wow, I feel better already. And then from that point on, every time I heard him pray, I mean, he'd get up in the pulpit and he was preaching for me that Sunday. He'd get up and he, he was preaching and he'd bow and he'd pray. And then he'd go, oh, I feel better already. Hey, that's what prayer does. It takes a burden off our hearts because we're looking for mercy, but we find grace. We're looking for God to withhold what, what we do deserve and instead God gives us more than we deserve. And he blesses us with grace. He blesses us with his sufficient grace, the help to endure in the times of trial. So if you're looking for a, a foothold today, you're looking for something to grab onto, grab onto his sufficient grace and grab onto the power of prayer. Thirdly, this morning, you can put your foot upon his word. His word. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I just thought of another one I don't even have in my notes. You know what Jesus said? I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. When He, the Holy Spirit, is come, He will teach you all things. He will guide you into all truth. Isn't it wonderful to have the Holy Spirit of God to comfort us and help us and to be real in our lives? That's a promise of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 7. That's just a bonus. That's not even part of my four points this morning. Amen? Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, underline the next three words, and doeth them. And doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and was great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I'm going to be honest with you. There have been several times over the years somebody will come to my office and they'll sit and they'll say, Pastor, I, I need some help with this. And I'll begin to give them some scripture and I'll begin to open the Bible and they'll say, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I know that. 
Yes, I, I have heard that verse. I've known that verse since I was five years old. You say another verse. Yes, I learned that in Sunday school when I was a little child. I remember the preacher preaching about that when I was a kid. And you finally just get to the point and say, hey, I'm not going to be able to tell you anything you don't know. The difference is you've got to obey it now. That's the difference. A lot of us that have been saved for a long time, we know what the Bible says. But the Bible says a wise man is not one that just heareth these things of mine, but he also doeth them. One that obeys the Word of God. Can I tell you this? That you'll never go wrong when you obey the Word of God. You will always have the victory. You see, you don't understand. Preacher, I've tried to obey the Word of God, and when I obey the Word of God, sometimes it doesn't turn out the way I want. Listen to yourself. It's not about how we want. It's about how God deems best. And there are times He allows us to go through some trials, and there are times that He allows things to happen in our lives that others might benefit and others might be saved. Several years ago, a young man in the Lime Ridge Mall had taken his mother shopping. It was Christmas time, and he'd gone up there to help her fight the crowds and carry her packages. And 17 years old, a young man that loved the Lord, he was saved. And a fight broke out in the parking lot between a couple of gangs that had just come out of the movie theater and they realized they were both at the same movie and they began fighting and they began pulling out weapons, knives and such. And they spilled over into this, this mom and son that were walking to their car and bumped into them. And as they bumped into them and knocked them over, they turned around and saw this young man and they stabbed him and he died. And everybody was wondering Why? Here's a young man that had surrendered to, to go and preach the gospel, a young man that wanted to do great things for God, and here he was in the prime of his life, 17 years old, and graduating from high school and going off to Bible college. Why would God take such a one? The answer came three days later at the funeral, as over a thousand classmates from his high school, from Sir Winston Churchill High School, came to that funeral. They had to hold it in the gym of the school. It was such a large funeral. And 17 young people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ that day. You say, really, would God allow that? I don't know. His ways are beyond my understanding. They're past finding out. And they're not my ways, and maybe that's not the way I would have done it, but 17 young people know Jesus Christ today because of a testimony of a life well lived. We don't always understand, but I can tell you this, when we obey God's word, we will always win. Nobody, no one has ever gone to the Word of God sincerely and come away disappointed. I'm thinking this morning and I was reading in my office and often just before I come out to preach, I'll, I'll just open the Bible to the book of Psalms. I'll just open it. Wherever, wherever, whatever Psalm. And I just say, Lord, give me a Psalm this morning. And here's the one I read this morning. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Listen to this. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Do you know what that said to me immediately? To know that I'm the sheep of His pasture. That I have a shepherd that cares about me. I have a shepherd that is looking out for my well-being. Years ago when we were in Africa, we were walking. Uh, we were at the coast of Ghana and the Ivory Coast, and we were walking through this jungle area, and we had to go down this one side of the mountain, through this valley, and up the other side of the mountain, and there was a church that was being built up on the other side, Pastor Benjamin. And as we were traveling, we noticed that Pastor Benjamin 
was way out in front of us. And I thought, well, why aren't we keeping up with him? And the, there was kind of in a single line. It was kind of a narrow path. And there was Pastor Brother Arnold was there and a couple other pastors and me. And we were kind of following around. And I thought, well, where's Brother Bulma? And I looked behind, and there's Brother Bulma, and he's back 20, 30 yards. I thought, well, that's kind of odd how we're strung out like that. And I, I, I said, I turned around, and I kind of waited. And brother, I said to Brother Bulma, I said, how come you guys are so far away? Why aren't you staying together with us? I thought maybe they're embarrassed to be seen with some white people. I don't know what it was. You know, we're out in the jungles of Africa. And, and so I thought, you know, what did we offend you? And he says, no, he says, the lions don't know your name. And I said, what? And he kind of smiled and he says, well, he says, he's out in front and I'm out behind because he says, we can know the signs of the lions in the bushes and we can warn you. So he says, we're kind of just stay and watch. And I went, yes, sir. And I ran back up and got in the group, amen. I thought, I, I don't have to outrun a line. I just have to outrun one of these guys. That's all I got to do. And so, man, I, that woke me up. But I got reading this passage this morning and realized that's what our shepherd does. He's watching out for us. We are the people, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And then he says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. Listen, open up the Word of God. You'll never be disappointed. But you have to obey it. And then how about one more foothold? How about just learning how to rest in Jesus? Turn back to Matthew chapter 11 this morning. Matthew chapter 11. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I know it's so easy to say to somebody that's hurting, well, just trust the Lord. Just trust God. Everything will be okay. But we need to learn how to just rest in Him. We need to learn how to just condition our behavior that that that's our first response. Not something that we need to be reminded of, not something that we, we come to a conclusion down the road, but no matter what comes, our first response is, I'm just going to rest in the Lord. He's told me to come unto Him. He's told me to take my yoke upon Him. He's told me that He's pulling for me. And that I'll find rest in Him. I think of the words of that old song, Victory in Jesus. And the one verse says, And then I cried. You ever think about that? And then I cried, Dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow, Jesus came and brought to me the victory. That's what Jesus does. Luke chapter 4, the Lord Jesus Christ was in the synagogue and he opened up the scrolls and he read this passage from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And then he rolled up the scroll and he kind of, I, I kind of picture Jesus sitting back and smiling. And then he says, today is this prophecy fulfilled in your ears. Oh, they started shouting blasphemy. 
But Jesus Christ said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to be a help. He stood at the tomb of Lazarus and he wept. Brokenhearted for Mary and Martha and those that were there mourning. And so he joined in the mourning. But he also said this, I am the resurrection and the life. Lazarus, come forth! Do you realize that Jesus never, ever, 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 ever went to a funeral that stayed a funeral? Think about that. I mean, a lady was burying her son, just walking by in a casket. And the boy sat up. The centurion's daughter. The daughter of Jairus. Every time somebody died and Jesus was around, they sat up. Boy, that'll ruin a good funeral, won't it? Boy, we don't, if, if Jesus can do that, we don't have to despair. We can rest in Him. He is the resurrection of life. He has come to heal the brokenhearted. He has come to give us rest. We need to learn to rest in Him. Jesus was called the man of sorrows, afflicted with our grief. Isaiah 53 says, Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Those that saw Him carry His cross thought, this is just for what, God, what He has said about God. This is because of blasphemy. This is because He made Himself God. So we did esteem Him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But what really was happening was he was bearing our griefs and carrying our sorrows. What a wonderful Savior that we have. I, I, used, to tease, I used to tease Pastor Massacre years ago because he would pick out the hymns for our service. And sometimes the hymns were not what I thought were all that exciting. I thought, oh boy, that tune is just dragging. And oh, it's going to kill the service. And I'd say, Don't, can't we find one that was written in the last 200 years? I'd just tease him, you know. I'm going to tell you, the very day I became a pastor, God began to work in my heart and say, those hymns have something about them. I love that old hymn, Man of Sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. What, what doctrine, what power. Some of the hymns we sang this morning, I'll worship the King all glorious above and gratefully sing His power and His love. God must love hearing us sing about His power and His majesty. We just need to learn how to rest in Him. How to trust Him, how to come to Him with any situation. Hey, if He can raise up the dead, He can take care of our problems. Let's just give it all to Jesus. Let's bow our heads this morning and close our eyes. You don't have to tell me this morning. I know that there's hurting people. I know that every one of us in this room probably have some sort of burden that we are carrying. I get that. I understand that. But I want you to know this. Though you may have to continue to carry that burden, you don't have to carry it alone. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Do you know what that tells me? that half that yoke belongs to Him. He's inviting you to start pulling in His direction. You've seen those double yoke oxen and those double yokes that they put on them. Jesus is saying, get hitched up with me. And whatever burden you're carrying, I'll pull it. I'll take the weight with you. I'll help you. 
And he begins to pull with us. And he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Because we're no longer carrying it on our own. Find a foothold in the word of God. Find a foothold in his sufficient grace. Find a foothold in the truth that is Jesus Christ and rest in him. Let's stand to our feet this morning and the invitation is going to play. If God has spoke to your heart, would you just take some time to pray? Would you pray for one another? Bear you one another's burdens. You don't even have to know what's going on in anybody else's life to be able to pray for them and ask God for grace for their life. Sometimes we see somebody and it's obvious they're hurting and we say, I wonder what's wrong with them. Why don't we just pray instead? Why not just take that to the Lord and ask for God's grace to touch their lives?